Welcome to the Voices in Union podcast with Reggie Jackson and Maria Hamilton. Well, good morning, Reggie. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Maria. How about yourself today? Uh, I'm doing good. Very long weekend, but what can I say? You know, this is um, the life I chose, and I'm in it full force. Yeah, so I know the last time we talked, you were getting ready for some big stuff coming up. Tell tell us what's been going on over the last week or so. Oh, my God. (laughs) Where did I (laughs) start at? Um, I'm working with... um, Beyonce Knowles' mother, her name is Tina Noel Lawson, and I did a uh, CNN Zoom interview with them to actually support the I Still Vote campaign, and um, they actually called me and asked me three questions um, about my past, my present and my future and it actually made the la times oh congratulations uh, it was actually uh it was actually attached to the letter that mrs noel and her staffers and the group from why i still vote um sent letters in. I think they got them Thursday or either Friday. Uh, LA Times called me and I gave them my statements on those three questions and they asked me to put everything I said in LA Times on Saturday. So oh, I'm like, right now I'm like kind of big headed. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look that up. <laughs> Yeah, That's great. Congratulations, yeah. Maria. It's, um, it's always good to, to spread that, that news far and wide, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's my truth. And I'm living in my truth right now. And um, I, I had to tell them that what I was saying was out of respect for whom I have grown to be. Because six years ago, I wasn't this human being. And me and um, I spoke with um, a couple of people earlier on a Zoom, and I told them that I no longer identify myself as African-American. I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I know there are different titles, and we've been tagged with different names, but I don't feel American. And I will not be presented as an American until all people are free and have the same rights of the Constitution that needs to be amended. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said that I prefer black myself because yeah. it's a lot easier to say, number one. And, you know, it just rolls off the lips real easy. Right, right, right. 
But second, I, I mean, I agree with your point about, you know, what, what does it really mean to be an American when, when you are part of a group that has never really been fully accepted into the space of other Americans? And, and why is it that people of color have to be hyphenated Americans, uh, you right. know, Asian American, you know, Native American, and, you know, the majority population, white people don't call themselves, you know, white Americans. You know, when they when their their ancestors first got here, they may have referred to themselves as Italian Americans, Irish Americans, but that's just because they were new. European Americans, yeah. Yeah, but but you know, it, it it's one of those things that's kind of kind of funny when you think about it. What 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 does being an American mean? Does it mean that all of the the things that you think about America, the the, the so-called American dream, does that really mean that that's part of your dream, or do you have a different dream? What's your dream? What would what would be your American dream, Maria? My American dream at this point would be to not have our children go through the oppression of voting or being harassed or being looked at as different. That's that's what I'm going to live and die with at this point um just acceptance mm -hmm. to be accepted as a human being um by whatever powers any and everybody or our listeners are actually um going to hear i want our children to see that we stood up and didn't fall doing this movement for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they should have the same desires for their futures after them. Mm -hmm. So always stand regardless to what may come your way because as long as we're not divided, there's power in people mm -hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was talking uh, with several people over the last week about kind of some of the changes that have taken place, uh, you know, since the protest started. And I'm, I'm really just kind of, in a way, very frustrated that we keep getting crumbs that we're not even asking for. You know, I, I wasn't all that bothered by Aunt Jemima being on the pancake box. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uncle being on the rice. But that's what we got. Like, oh, here y'all go. Yeah, no. They did. They wanted to give us something. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm from Mississippi, and I, 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 I reserve I mean, the right to criticize Mississippi as much as, as, as possible. <laughs> but I'm not all that excited about the fact that they choose it in 2020 to take that racist Confederate symbol off of their flag i mean i listen my a lot of my family still lives in mississippi i know what mississippi is mississippi, right. changing this flag yeah, is not going right. to change mississippi it's still going to be mississippi right, and, right, right. You know, all of these symbolic things I, I think are in a way kind of a trip because when you think about what the protests have been about what what significant changes have we seen as a result of the protests in terms of policies and practices that are going to be meaningful to our community. I know here in Milwaukee, I've been hearing a lot of you know, narrative about, you know, police reform. We've been hearing this for, I don't know how many years, Maria. I mean, you've been yeah. hearing about it for, yeah. for 
Everybody I was doing it. The Don trade, right? You were yes. right in the middle yes. of all of that. And what right. have you seen change in the last six years? What what right. change have you seen with the police in Milwaukee in six years? I I seen them pissed off, and I seen them get more aggressive. Mm. Even with the lawsuit with the ACLU, um, because of the lawsuit and because of it being so public and because of Dontre's death and having national attention, you would have thought that this administration would have read the Justice Department recommendations and at least try to implement uh, maybe one or two out of the 124. Mm -hmm. And we have a uh, mayor appointed chief who says that he just wants to get through the DNC, which they're getting funding for. They're having other law enforcement agencies come in to help them with that even in the decrease of the uh the amount of people and the elective not being able to come in because they're going to do that online but y'all ain't gave none of the money back <laughs> for one thing you didn't <laughs> give the money back and you received it secondly how are you going to tell a community who pays your salary and we expect and want you to protect us that we need to just hold off until 2021. You know, that this is <laughs> in many respects is business as usual. You know, that that, that uh -huh. moment uh, that we're supposed to get what we're asking for is always some point in the future. You know, they, yeah. they preach to us to be patient. And listen, don't tell me about 2021 when we barely scraping through 2020. Yes. And, and this convention, you know, I, I told people, you know, even before COVID hit and, you know, we're talking about the convention, uh, it's great that Milwaukee got the convention, but the Milwaukee the day before the convention will be the same Milwaukee the day after the convention. Come on, man. The convention will not change Milwaukee. The right. convention is, a, is the Democratic National Convention. It's not yes. the Democratic Milwaukee Convention. Right, it's right, right. about Milwaukee. It's being held in Milwaukee, but it's not about Milwaukee. Right, Milwaukee's right. issues will be barely spoken about at that convention, uh, whether, whether people want to believe that or not. And I say this. Is that when the, when the, when they talk about you know what they're going to do with policing after the convention, the convention does not end in 2021. So why yep. are you talking about 2021? Listen, right. the convention ends four days after it starts. That's we got 2020. months <laughs> right now. We've got months left. Don't tell yes. me you can't do something in 2020 that you have to wait till 2021 because that's just a delaying tactic, and, and we've been delayed you know, for so many years, I think people need to come to it. Yes, and that's their tactic. Silence, well, first of all, no, is they get their own narrative out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then they demonize other peoples for their wrongdoing. Then they tell you nothing. And they have you sick. 
and wait and wallow in it. And then all of a sudden they tell you, okay, we're going to do this, but there are steps and procedures that we have to follow. That's the problem. Your procedures and your policies and your practice. You know, I, I, I think... People will not be able to change any of that. Right. You know, until I, I, we look at that issue. Right. I, I think, you know, one of the things that should be required reading in Milwaukee is the Department of Justice report. And all yeah. of the recommendations, like you said, all those recommendations they've made that have not been acted on. And we haven't heard anything from the police department about why they haven't acted on those. No. You know, the only thing we heard from the police department about that report was that, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a final report. It wasn't finished. And there were errors based on X, Y, and Z. Well, listen, okay, you, you said there were a few errors in it, but you didn't tell us what those errors were, number no. one. Secondarily, okay, it's a few errors, but it's hundreds of pages of a report. Of course, there's going to be some errors in there. Tell us about the, the rest of it, though. Right, right, right. Tell us about how you reacted to the rest of it, because guess what? Chief Flynn is the one that asked them to come and do the investigation to begin with. Right, because he got paid to do it. I actually went and sat at the White House before, because when, when they first, when the federal government first asked Mayor Baird to accept that he told them no and then once they tacked on funding for the police department and then Dontre's case got a little bit more national attention because i i was in the mother of the movement all of a sudden flynn want to say uh yeah i want them to come in but that was out there a judge as he said that Dontre's civil rights had been broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we get a phone call from the attorney telling us that, well, the other judges in the Supreme Court of Illinois want y'all to go ahead and settle that. Mm -hmm. No, we don't get our day in court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I will. It's coming. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had a um, conversation, I think I mentioned this before, with a couple former police officers mm -hmm. and, you know, former black police officers. And they have, you know, a really different perspective on policing versus what I think the average person does. And I, I'm, I'm hoping sometime within the next couple of weeks to have some further conversations with a group of former black police officers, because I, I think that they have a very unique way of looking at policing, a very unique perspective in terms of what we can learn about how policing really works. And I always say this, that, you know, I've gotten to the point, Maria, that I can't even watch cop shows on TV anymore. I can't. Even, I'm, I'm really troubled by even watching movies about cops. Me too. Because it's and like, I know that the oh, state, you know what I'm yeah. saying, but you all are, are portraying a culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it always shows the cops as the good guys. And, you know, occasionally there's, there's a rogue bad guy, you know, bad apple, as they like to say. Mm -hmm. But they never really uh, address the real issue of policing in general, which, you know, I, I, I always say this to people that you don't need to read, you know, the Department of Justice report about the Milwaukee Police Department 
or the Department of Justice report about the Ferguson Police Department or the, the report about the Chicago Police Department or the Albuquerque Police Department. All you got to do is talk to the black people who live in those places. And they'll right, right. Right? right? You don't need no darn report. Talk you can go away. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can get firsthand information right from the horse's yes. mouth because ultimately these are the same things we've been complaining about with the police back in 1968. 1967, 1965, 1960. I mean, we've been complaining about the same things with police. And we've been hearing about reform this, reform that for decades. And yet here we are in 2020, still facing the same issues, still having the same problems with police not changing the way that they do what they do. And then to have a police department here in this city that, that has actively, actively basically closed their mouths and not talked about stuff. And Bye. we have a fire and police commission. We have Bye. a you know, common council and a mayor that barely ever even addresses the issue of policing. And, Silent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a silent movie when it comes it to is. And it's like, I'm tired of the silence. I want to hear I don't I don't want to hear the, 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 the PR version of what y'all feel about this, because ultimately people in our community the Latino community, black community, are tired of the same nonsense, you know, the same conversations. We want to have some different conversations. We want to have some in-depth conversations where, where we not only get to tell our truth, but somebody actually listens to us and says, okay, we're going to act on that. It's just saying, oh, well, you know, we, we need to put together a commission to study that. We don't need another darn commission. I'm tired of all of these. You're right, right, right. They don't lead to anything other than somebody getting a check. For, for for putting a, a report together. Right. Stop wasting that money and start listening to what people are saying and then actually do some real change. But I don't think that that, that, that pressure has been strong enough. It, it because for David Clark to act like when he retired, he was going to work for the Trump administration mm -hmm. to have a Blue Lives Matter march. <laughs> yesterday to, to let the police know even though they want to kill y'all and they're protesting and they're coming into the suburbs they've been all out here in Waukesha they've been here they've been there it's like are you serious David Clark we knew y'all we see y'all must curse we we know David Clark. We we know he spent too many hours sitting on top of that darn horse with a cowboy hat on to be taken seriously, right? Right, right. Well, he ain't had a cowboy hat. He had a bull horn. <laughs> well, listen. One thing I give that man credit for, he did put Milwaukee back on the map. Not in a good way. He did. He did. He did. He stole a lot of money too, traveling. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, just to kind of get back on a serious thing, obviously, you know, very upset about what's happened with Vaughn and what's yeah. been going on with Frank. You know, yeah. I mean, these guys are out there working their tails off and well, just getting Frank moved. Frank moved last night. <laughs> he yeah. moved down there to the jail. So uh, yeah, and I actually rode by there when I got off from work. Uh, I was talking with, well, I was texting with Frank and uh, talking with other mo mothers who have had kids killed to the systemic racism 
in Milwaukee. Uh, they were down there actually supporting. And um, for right now, they, they're dealing with, up until I asked you on this call, they're actually dealing with the police that are coming in to work who are like, oh, okay, they protesting here. I can't even come to work and do my job without, you know what I'm saying, without to deal with this. And their jobs aren't even actually uh, interacting with the protesters. So you can actually see how they're walking up and they're just so tense, like, they just want to blow a whistle at some point. So um, we pray for those too. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. You know, I'm I'm really just bothered by people that are complaining about their their little inconvenience because of the protests. But what about our 401 years of inconvenience that we've been dealing with? Cartoon. So, you know, don't tell me about your inconvenience because the traffic is heavy because of the protests and you can't get to your precious little job. Listen, we can't even get precious little jobs because of the conversation. So let's have a different conversation when you're whining and complaining. Uh, if, if you want to understand what inconvenience is, I guarantee you if you ask the average white person, would they trade places with any black person, even a rich black person? Oh. Some stuff would they know it's better to be white than be black. I mean, that's right. Wrong. We know this. I say this as right. I travel around the state of Wisconsin and I talk to white people about race and racism. They know that white privilege is something real, but but the way people define white privilege, I don't like the way they define white privilege. Me neither. Uh, I've always had a problem with it because it's not uh, about just the things that people tend to associate with white privilege. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about when you fill out an application for a job, if they're going to judge you different based on your race. And listen, right. that's irrelevant because we know that they're going to judge people of color differently. And and getting rid of white privilege, what does getting rid of white privilege really mean? What does that mean? Right. White people right. don't give up the privileges they have. And okay, let's say they do. Then are, are those privileges then going to be accrued on people of color? Are they going to hand that off to people of color? Like, okay, we've had these advantages for years. Now let's give it to you all. Let's give y'all some affirmative action, some some of the white affirmative action we've had. Let's give it to y'all. We know that's not going to happen. So this whole idea of white privilege and getting rid of white privilege is, to me, it's just it's a nonsensical argument. Because it doesn't mean anything to people of color. It doesn't mean that because you give something up, which I don't know how you give it up, uh, that all of a sudden we're going to have those privileges to use to have. Because but, it's ultimately about just being fair. Yeah, that's true. And we, when we were doing the Zoom, Nate actually said something that made my heart flutter. That mm. it's not enough that these people aren't allowing their kids to protest, their white kids to protest. They're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Outside of, most of them are doing it outside of their parents' belief. But our thing is, and what the Coalition for Justice is getting ready to stress, that we want you white people to stop acting like when people say that black lives matter and we want the same rights that you have we need for you white people who are dealing with police violence and police killers to say something when it happens to you because the same justice that we're suffering from 
you suffer from that as well. But you sit in silence thinking that the court system and the justice system is going to work for you and your family until you're mentally broken and you find out six months later that police officer uh, is going to be not held accountable for the murder of your loved ones. So we need for you to come out and start speaking up and thinking like Michael Bell, that, mm -hmm. hey, he was a brother to law enforcement because mm -hmm. he was in the military. We mm -hmm. need for you all, when it happens, to come out and say, my child was killed and I want this man prosecuted who has a job as a police officer. Right, right. And you don't just want to come out and protest when somebody black is here. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then, yeah, maybe then we could start understanding the privilege. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. at that point, then the courts and the judges will start thinking, okay, well, um, that was my sister-in-law, like the young girl who was pregnant and they threw her to the ground, hit her head, uh, they were choking her and the police officer ended up putting two, uh, shot her twice. She lost her child mm -hmm. and her father was a police officer. Yeah. So if we can get them to not only march with purpose, when these things happen to you all, don't be silent. Yeah, I, I completely agree because, you know, when, when you look at, at the number of people that are killed by police every year, it's over a thousand people in the U.S. kill. A majority mm -hmm. of those people are white people. And obviously, yes. the majority of people in the country are white people. Yes. But we should be just as upset when an unarmed white person loses their life to yeah. police as we are when an unarmed black person is because you know it, it, i think part of the pushback against the whole idea of black lives matter is that it's always about you know black people right, right, listen, right. people gotta understand native americans uh two years ago had the highest rate of, of dying at the hands of police in the country right. so it's right. not just about black folks it's about a little bit of everybody police kill a little bit of everybody mm -hmm. obviously they kill blacks at a higher rate native americans at a higher rate but the fact that they're killing so many people to begin with that's right. What the real problem is it's not who they're killing it's the fact that they are killing so many people and people don't know how dangerous those tasers are that, that dozens of people over the years have died after being tased yes don't tell me that's a non-lethal weapon when, when people die uh it's not non-lethal uh, if you could prove to me that no one has ever been tased and never died then i can say okay that's a non-lethal weapon but when people have been tased and died that means that it's a lethal weapon. It's lethal. killing people. It's no different than a, than, a, than a nine millimeter. Somebody got tased and they died. Somebody got shot and they died. It's the same in result. And I think that needs to be part of the conversation that this aggressiveness that police have just built into their culture to me is one of the biggest problems. Why are they so aggressive? Why do they have to constantly put hands on people that aren't right. doing anything? You know, and then they try to say that, you know, they, they, their lives were threatened and things of that nature. Your life is threatened uh, by George Floyd, who used a, supposedly may have possibly used a counterfeit $20 bill. Why do you need four police officers to investigate a counterfeit $20 bill? 
Right. I mean, that that's absolutely ridiculous. That's part of the problem is that we put police in a bad position. We have them investigating stuff that's so stupid, so nonsensical. Right. You know, Eric Garner lost his life not because he was selling loose right. cigarettes. People he, get he mixed up. Cigarettes that day. <laughs> this man had been harassed by the New York Police Department, those officers, for months, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. on, on that particular day that they choked him to death and killed him, there was actually some people there that were fighting. He broke the fight up, Maria. Yes. He literally yes. broke up a fight. He was, he was Somebody a- called the cops because some people were fighting. He broke the fight up before the police got there. Instead mm-hmm. of them thanking him, they killed him. Yeah. So, you know, this aggressiveness, and, and I always say this, when I, every time I watch the Eric Garner video, the thing that stands out to me more so than the fact that they choked this man to death is the fact that at one point there were six police officers on top of that man. Six. Right. Yes. And we only talk about one of them as yep. if the other ones had, you know, nothing to do with his death. You can't have six people sitting on top of somebody who's saying they can't breathe with one of them with his arm wrapped around your, your throat and then hold nobody accountable and think we should be okay with it. I mean, it's just... It's sad that we're still in this in this place, but you know, ultimately, Maria, I think all of the work that you put in, all of the work that a lot of people that have been out there on the front lines of the protest, the the ultimate goal of the protest is change, change yeah. that we haven't seen, right. and until we start to see some real change, then you know, the protest will continue. Well, I feel as though I. First of all, I actually told me last night that I'm very hopeful that change will come. I didn't have this hope during my case uh, as it unfolded. Um, I didn't even know what this hope felt like. But Mm -hmm. I have hope now. Uh, We actually have people who have money that's not affected saying that this can't happen no more. Just because I can safeguard minds, we're not going to allow these videos to surface around the world of us seeing people that look like me die. Mm -hmm. And, um, even though I don't, I was trying to reassure in, in our conversation that I do this work because it's necessary and somebody has to do it. I didn't have the luxury of having someone to get the knowledge and educate themselves and change the way they view themselves and how I move and what's needed for me to secure a happy. A happy and and healthy life, and then be able to share that with somebody. Yeah, you so know, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's great that you're feeling that way. And, and you know, I I tend to to be kind of, I sit back and wait uh, patiently, wait for stuff to happen because you know I'm not gonna get all excited and and and, and get my hopes up thinking that change is gonna happen just to be disappointed because. You know, I, I kind of think about something that a friend of mine says about like uh, first date, 
first is a second date, you know, everything is all good on the first date. Mm-hmm. And then the second date is like, who is this person? Like, right. I don't recognize right. the person. Right. <laughs> so I kind of see this in the same way. We, we kind of in that first date phase where everybody's excited and, you know, together and united and protesting. But I'm waiting for the second date to come around when the rubber hits the road to see what really happens. Because ultimately that, that will be the, the true test of whether or not the change is gonna happen. And you know, what's very interesting to me is we've been having these conversations every week, Maria, is mm-hmm. that from one week to the next, it's like a whole different world, right? Yes. So much oh, stuff is happening. Totally. <laughs> it's like never ending. Um, and, but I do, I, I think because for me, I see growth mm-hmm. in people who want to learn and educate themselves and share what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go to the different events that I go to and I try to go to one every week. Because I don't want any, I don't want to take the focus off of their purpose and have it put on me. So I intentionally take a back stance to what they're doing and tell them I'm here to support. I ain't speaking. I don't want to talk. If I have conversations, I tell people in the crowd, walk up to me. I'm approachable. Mm-hmm. And you meet that person where where they are, whatever question they have for you, address the individual. Because yeah. that person has their own journey through this. And that person may end up running for president one day. Yeah, yeah. So I that's I think for the marching part of it, it's more for me to educate and actually be a shoulder or ear for somebody who is really being traumatized by this and, and feel as though they can only submit themselves by coming out in March. There's other things that you can do. You ain't got to wear or tear yourself down. Right, March. right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you completely. And, you know, I, I'm very interested in, in seeing kind of where this next week takes us what this this journey over the next seven days will be like and uh really looking forward to us talking again next week and uh you know it's going to be something new it's going to be hair blowing oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know if you noticed but i cut i cut a lot of my hair off i was growing this corona fro but i was like man i gotta cut some of this hair off my hair hadn't been this long since the 80s and so uh I went and bought some clippers and cut it myself because I, you know, I love my barber, but I, I, I don't trust his customers yet. So I'm not going back to the barber shop yet. But I look forward to talking to you next week. SDC, but I was talking about the Obama hair where all our ancestor women oh, yeah. did it. My I wife has the same shirt. We yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was shirt. talking about our ancestors. We're talking about our barbers <laughs> and our hairdressers. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's good talking to you as always, Maria, and uh, we'll revisit revisit what's going on in Milwaukee and the world around us uh, a week from today. And uh, be safe out there. 
Uh, say hi to the family for me and take care of yourself. I will. And you as well. Give the wife a big hug and kiss for me. And hey, already know you're going to do you. So uh, I look forward to hearing more about what Reggie's doing next week. All right, Maria. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.